What's up you dastardly dingoes and welcome to episode 2 of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined tonight by the lovely Will, also known as Huda Funk. Thanks very much, James. Really happy to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you as always, even though we're only on episode two, but still. We're one of the new gaming podcasts on the block, uh, and uh, we're all over the social meds. You can find the podcast at Total Pod Mode, all one word, as Spotify, YouTube, Discord, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit pretty much anywhere you can think of really uh, and you can also find us individually on a lot of those places too uh, for me uh, I'm at Mr. Bames all one word on Twitter and at Mr. Bames underscore TPM on Twitch where can they find you Will? So you can find me on Twitter and Twitch under Hoodafunk that's W-H-O-D-A-H-F-U-N-K and all of our social media can be found by searching for Total Pod Mode. We like to start our, our podcast off by a uh, seeing what uh, we've been playing this week, having a little catch-up. So, Will, why don't you take it away and tell me what you've been playing this week? Yeah, great. So this week, as discussed last week on the episode, I've been getting into quite a bit of Final Fantasy XIV. This week, I've been exploring a few more of the dungeons. Uh, I've been getting into a few more of the boss fights and learning how to kind of cooperate as a team there. It's actually, uh, it's been really fun to be getting to grips with how you play as a team with some good friends of mine. I've been really enjoying the layouts of the dungeons so far, as well as managing to claim a lot of the loot, because I'm actually quite a low level compared to a lot of the people that I'm playing with. And there is that kind of like need, greed, or pass system that's also uh, available in World of Warcraft. Yeah. And at the moment, I'm scooping up the majority of the loot as we play through these. We're only kind of limited by the fact that... They can only play the dungeons that are actually at my level. So obviously they would have a lot more variation in the dungeons if uh, if I was able to unlock a bit more, which I'm focusing on doing at the moment. So the dungeons not scale then? Because for example, in Elder Scrolls, I think, it's, I think it happens in Elder Scrolls Online, if you go to a dungeon that you're too high level for, you'll get scaled back. And likewise, if, you're too, if you go to a dungeon that you're too low level for, it can actually scale you up. Yeah, so there is actually a level sync system in place and that does affect kind of like local events, which are called fates, where you can actually say, for instance, if you're way too high, as well as, I don't know necessarily how it interacts if you're way too low, if you're way too high, you'll actually be in sync with the level. It'll take you down a few levels and try and kind of... Essentially, it will reduce your level. So yeah. to the point where you're able to interact with the quest and you're not too overpowered by it. And that sounds like what you're describing in Elder Scrolls, no? Yeah, I mean, if from memory, typically, it keep, it lets you keep all the powers and stuff that you have, but it will scale your damage or health up or down accordingly. So you're not just one-shotting everyone. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, that does sound like a similar system's in place. I haven't actually explored much outside of the story mode. So the issue there is I'm kind of stumbling across the dungeons as I'm finding them. A lot of the dungeons that our friends have been playing are actually quite later on in the storyline and I haven't quite got there yet so I need to play a bit more to progress. But I've only just kind of gotten out into the very much past tutorial level. I'm kind of a mid-30s level archer. Okay so you haven't quite you haven't specialized to bard yet which I believe you said last week was your your end goal? Yeah exactly exactly. So the bard is kind of a support DPS type character. DPS is damage per second for anyone uninitiated in RPGs. Uh, and as I said last episode, I've been looking to progress from an archer to a bard. I still haven't quite figured out how to do that, or rather, I have figured out how to do that, but it's linked behind story quests. The issue I've had is that I've completed far too many of the guild quests, and I'm way ahead there, so I'm actually at the point within the guild now, at level 30, where I've actually unlocked the ability 
to become a bard, but now I need to progress the story before the next level of the guild quest unlocks, before I can actually make my transition into a bard. It was a little disappointing coming into that and, you know, thinking I was kind of ready. I was at least my sort of mid-level 30s by the time I took on the quest that essentially is supposed to lead on to the next one, where you become a bard. But because my story quests were hanging around like a level 17 requirement, I was kind of yeah, I was like way overskilled, and I have been advised at this point that I should probably invest in two different classes just to kind of spread the XP a little bit, because it seems very easy to switch between uh, your different playstyles in this. You can absolutely go from a wizard to even a, like a tank class in a second between your characters, provided you leveled them up. Would that not dilute one or both of the classes, though? Because typically when you can have the option to cross-class like that, unless they're sort of linked, like, you know, Wizard and Sorcerer, for example, they might share a lot of spells and things like that. If you had that ability, would it? you could either be like a sort of average wizard or an average tank rather than a f***ing kick-ass tank, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, you're right to some degree in terms of the amount of time that you would be spending in the characters in a later level. But my understanding is is that a lot of the progression actually does allow for enough experience to be generated to actually level up two characters simultaneously if you wanted to. In terms of the way that the story missions come, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm hanging around mid-30s, but my story missions are currently hanging around level 17, 18. So I need to progress those a lot there's absolutely room there to uh level up a class relatively quickly if i wanted to but i think i might stick with the archer class well if you're enjoying it why you know why fix something that's not broken right yeah exactly yeah i'm liking the moves that you get you've got kind of like a, a poison dart move and then i've got an upgraded poison dart move essentially both of those interact differently they're two separate poisons so i can get two separate poison stacks as i attack an enemy um so i can have those ticking away in the background reducing health while i'm also unlocking my more powerful moves i've got a quick shot ability which then leads into another one but it's activated by a dice roll every Every time you do the first ability, there's a dice roll as to whether you actually are allowed to do the second move. And then I also have like a few other things. I have like a good evade move that does an attack and jumps quite far back. Useful as an nice. archer because you remain within range, but you're able to like evade the kind of AOE attacks. Um, I'm interested to know, like, in your experience with MMOs, how many ones have you noticed where they do a special attack and the floor is kind of lit up with the AOE before they do the attack? I think that's fairly common for certainly in RPGs as well. Like, uh, I was about to ask you if you get a rain of arrows type deal, and typically with a rain of arrows type deal, you get the red circle surrounding you and you can see it, and that'll give you time to do your backstep dodge thing. Unless there's a setting, I'm not aware that you can actually see the AOE of your attack that you're about to cast, but you can absolutely... Uh, Enemies do telegraph their attacks, yeah. uh, so you're able to use like the evade attack to kind of quickly get in a hit as well as jump away. Nice. And then I have a few other ones. They're all just essentially heavier arrow attacks, uh, except for the poison ones that I do. There is a bloodletting ability, but I haven't got into that so much. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely doing me proud for now until I elevate myself to the status of bard. And then you'll be able to play some songs, buff people, you know, maybe even buff yourself. Who knows? You might be able to do some crazy poison shit with all that buffing and double poisons. And who knows? You may even get the ability to lock even more stacks later down the line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I said earlier, the bard is kind of like a DPS support character. You're actually able to kind of, you know, play a role within the team, which I, you know, I do enjoy playing support characters typically over kind of your traditional tank type character. Yeah, always a medic in battlefield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I like any sort of element that promotes team play, and I always try and engage with that the most. And it just so happens in Battlefield, that's one of the best ways to, to 
get points is to well yeah if you're going to snipe with an smg baby i mean it's it's pretty (laughs) insane yeah you told me that and i could not believe it and then i did it and i could believe it then you discovered that the gun was a laser beam yeah Yeah. i mean yeah the, the the guns are a kind of a nice side to the fact that in battlefield the medic class is actually you know really effective but to to get back to final fantasy 14 so i'm actually i have previously arrived in Aldar uh, through the guild quests but now i'm actually again going to Aldar for the regular story quests and Aldar is kind of like it's a bit of a variation from what i was talking about last week i think i mentioned some uh, squirrels and ladybugs and things like that yeah cute things that you were killing yeah. yeah yeah we're we're not killing cute things anymore we're fighting giant sort of desert beasts and sort of dragon looking lizardy guys and yeah a lot more kind of hardcore looking traditional final fantasy type enemies that i'm used to seeing i'm absolutely still keeping up my stance from the last episode that i am mashing through any cutscene that i encounter and uh yeah just purely in this for the grind at the moment trying to get through to my uh level 60 so i can actually start getting to some of the good content you heathen you won't know what the you won't understand the content when you get into it that's probably pretty rough actually it's probably pretty unfair <laughs> to say the good content but it's uh yeah uh for me a lot more interesting i think some of the stuff even now as i say getting into aldar is is way more interesting than hunting down sort of you know garden pests and uh you know that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. so. But what I really wanted to get into was a new release this week. So they've actually added the Ooh. Island Sanctuary update, which is a new patch. It's come out with, you know, a, a few other things on the side, but the main takeaway is that they've actually essentially added an Animal Crossing style island that you can visit in the game. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's you can sort of build a farm, you can harvest crops, you can decorate a homestead. There's quite a few things that you can do in the game. And I think that they've tried to make a sort of like the harvesting player and the ones that are in, you know, interacting with the market, I think that they are actually trying to make that much more viable, especially if you're able to cultivate your own crops and then go ahead and sell them. That's an interesting addition to a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. But, and, and I'm quite intrigued by it. It seems quite a different pace to what the rest of the game is from what you've described. Interesting, though. I mean, you get fishing and MMOs and things like that, so sure, why not? Yeah, I, I think that ultimately it's, it's it's a nice addition, but you're right, it is something that you wouldn't typically expect. The whole idea of actually marketing and harvesting things, that's very similar to Animal Crossing as well. It's kind of quite a shared thing. It's funny, actually, I, I was reading a, a Reddit post the other day that made me absolutely skin. There was a, a post that said that they were tired of the bots that were undercutting them, uh, you know, by one gill, which is the, the currency yeah, in the game. Yeah. Yeah, so they, the bots are essentially programmed in the game to undercut everyone by one gill, so you're about to make a sale, they'll jump in there and offer a lower price. Obviously, the person buying doesn't really give a shit, they're just going to kind of pick it up and, and buy the one that has the cheaper price. So this person has actually taken it upon themselves to massively slash their prices compared to the bots, and essentially this kind of concerted effort to reduce the overall market price of whatever items they're selling, they're, <laughs> they're essentially trying to knock all of the the general market price down so that the bots essentially get beaten at their own game and even though they're undercutting by one drill uh one gill i should say <laughs> um he's still being able to 
kind of yeah drive down the overall market price so that they don't make as much profit. I mean, he's absolutely uh, shooting himself in the foot by doing this, but you got to love the dedication to uh, to trying to disrupt the system, the current state of affairs. I was going to say completely destroying the in-game economy, but I like fighting the bots. That's cool. Yeah, That's cool. yeah, it's absolutely. It's a, it's a little guy story. You got to go for the underdog. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm really intrigued by that animal. It's, it's I mean, I'm, I was about to call it an Animal Crossing crossover. I'm sure that's not what it is. <laughs> it's not, but it is kind of like fondly titled as the Animal Crossing update in some circles. Well, I have one question then that I think uh, our listeners and viewers will be very interested to hear, particularly those that may have played Animal Crossing in the past. Is there a capitalism-loving raccoon? There, there is no raccoon. Uh, there is no raccoon thief that encourages you to buy a load of things and then suddenly says that you're in debt to him for a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, to my knowledge. Well, I look forward to hearing all about Tom Nook's Moogle cousin, Rom Took, next week. <laughs> oh, man, nice. Well, sounds like you've been having a great time in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, have you been playing anything else this week? Yeah. Uh, so if anyone that's been paying attention to my Twitch stream, uh, which can be found at, might as well give it a plug. <laughs> Do it. Plug away. Uh, yeah. Uh, twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk if anyone's actually checked out my channel there they'll see that I've been playing some Elden Ring this week I have been checking that out and I can confirm it was very good absolutely man it's been really nice to actually have you along on the channel there it's a bit of motivation you know it's an extra it's it's the uh you know one person in the bleachers is better than no people in the bleachers if you know what i mean <laughs> no but it's, it's been great to have you in there to chime in and uh and help out ever so often as well i've been having a great time playing that and i've made a pretty good amount of progress as well so earlier this week i managed to defeat firstly the black blade kindred so essentially, the Black Blade Kindred uh, is a sort of large gargoyle that is, uh, he's spinning around a lot, he's got a lot of far-reaching attacks, you do need to kind of stay in close, but avoid him when he actually does a specific spinning attack, because it just seems to kind of take out everything that's around him. He didn't give me too much trouble though, um, so we progressed on to the Deathrite Bird, which was actually one of the first bosses. It had been a while since I'd actually had to have a little bit of patience and actually focus in on the boss a bit more with this one. I had taken on one of these guys before but as anyone will know it has been a, a decent time since I picked this game up. It still felt pretty fresh for a fight that I had already done before albeit a long time ago. Well I do believe that uh, the second time you fight this this boss it does potentially have a couple of different moves thrown in there. Its timings are a little different that's typically how Souls games like to repeat their bosses. Yeah and I think that that's cool. I mean uh, I'm sure I did fall victim to a few of the same moves that I had done before particularly I, I do kind of remember the the grabby beak kind of attack that he does. Uh, it absolutely shredded my health bar unless I was uh, completely full health. That got me a good few times on the stream. So uh, if anyone wants to check out the uh, the kind of the longer form boss fight of that, that's available. Another shameless plug. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to, you know, you got to take them while they're there. Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, then I moved on to the Red Giant, which uh, is probably one of the larger bosses in the game. The only one that kind of makes me think of him in terms of scale is Radan, which is an enemy that you fight sort of fairly early on within Kaelid. It's actually quite nice to see a, a giant boss that is actually giant. The only other one I can think of is uh, Dark Souls 3 boss Yorm the Giant, uh, which is equally as imposing, I'd say, but it's actually indoors rather than outdoors. So slightly different feel, not as tough as uh, the fire giant is though. 
The Fire Giant's second phase is particularly memorable because uh, upon attacking the cast that he appears to have around his leg, it shatters and then you continue to attack his leg and then eventually the cutscene will take over and uh, kind of spoilers here if anyone doesn't want to hear about any of the future Elden Ring fights here. I, I do get that it's still a, a fairly recent game, although I do feel like, you know, I'm in the small minority of people that still haven't completed it despite buying it on release. I think, I think unfortunately, you're probably correct. I yeah. Mean, there's uh, plenty of speed runs, and, you know, I think someone finished it in half an hour. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I, I think I, I'm, I'm sure I saw a video that saw it done in 14 minutes. I can totally believe it. Particularly within my circles and my groups of friends, most of them, if not all of them, actually have completed this game by now so i'm definitely feeling the guilt of having not uh not progressed with that there was one moment where i think he did that weird rolling attack that's used to kind of create distance i suppose and also cause damage but he did it like four times in a row so he kind of rolled away from me then rolled back into me and then rolled away again it kind of uh, yeah it was a huge relief i think that was definitely the hardest out of the three bosses and i think it was kind of one of them ones where i, I said i'd give it a final go and then uh still didn't do it and then i said one more time because that was bullshit <laughs> that was bullshit yeah uh so yeah you know and i turned it around and i finally got it but then after that i, I think i was kind of uh yeah i was pretty burned out at that point it had been a good few attempts and uh i was ready to, to call it for the day but yeah no it had a you know a good time as always in Elden ring it's one of those games that i do wonder why i fell off in the first instance you know you go back to it and you enjoy it and i think you had a pretty similar experience yourself I certainly did fall off it, but that's because I got really, really pissed off. I was It was totally my fault, in hindsight. I, I won't say things because uh, you haven't fought these bo this boss yet, so I don't want to give anything away. But essentially, I fought one boss, another boss who was the same sort of style, that boss again in a separate place, and then a boss that you're about to come to, which was both of them together. Okay. In, in succession like that. So I just got so angry at the game that I had to, I put it down for two, three weeks. But then came back and, like you say, uh, ended up uh, finishing in about three or four days when I came back. But I remember you telling me that when it actually, uh, you know, when the game released. And I just could not believe that you'd fallen off. And then I here I find myself doing the same thing. And I have to come up with a, a series for uh, actually completing this thing. Hey, man. It's a good excuse to get on stream, though, right? Yeah. And I'm, act I'm actually going to put you over a little bit as well. Because you actually also beat another two bosses on that stream that I watched. So, oh and, and one of them I found particularly difficult. So, uh, if you want to see which two bosses I'm referring to, go check out the stream. Uh, it's at Hoodafunk on Twitch. It's a, a very entertaining stream. So, please <laughs> do check it out. I love this kind of co-op shameless spamming of my Twitch. Uh, you know, do do go check out uh, uh, James on Twitch. He's actually due to be uh, uh, starting at some point within the next couple of weeks. Uh, I was say, know. check me out when I've actually got some fucking content. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> Maybe like don't go now. <laughs> it sounds like I'm indirectly trying to, you know, I'm properly airing out James there on the pod, trying to get him into uh, doing a bit more Twitch. But we're gonna, uh, yeah, absolutely looking forward to some more streams by James as well. Oh, absolutely, man. And and I would have been streaming uh, my challenge this week, which we'll get into a little later. But I would have been streaming that if I wasn't such a noob. Hey. I had no idea you had to download external softwares and things like that. Hey, I, in my, hey. my little pea brain, <laughs> thought that you could just go on, sign in, and be like, oh, yeah, no, we can start streaming. Now there's actually some setup you have to do. So, my bad, people. If you, if anyone was looking forward to it, because I did say on last week's pod that uh, I may well say. do it. You did uh, say. So, I'm going to do an it. early take back and apology here. I'm sorry <laughs> that I fucked up, guys. I'm sorry. That's on me. 
Uh, I haven't been feeling great this week as well. I'm going to put that out there, but uh, no excuses. I, I did fuck up there, so. <laughs> Here's an excuse, but no excuses. No excuses. Yeah. It no. will be on. Within the next one to two weeks, we're going to get James hooked up, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you're actually going to stream. Okay, so that's pretty much uh, all of the games that I've played this week. Anyway, I've been pretty committed to those two titles. What have you been up to, James? Well, uh, the bulk of what I was doing last week was actually uh, the challenge from episode one, which uh, if you don't know what it is, go check out episode one. But aside from that, I, I didn't really get too much else done. As I said, I wasn't feeling too great this week. I was very, very tired and sort of very low energy. So my main focus was the challenge, but I did manage to get a little bit more Thymessia in, um, which I, you know, briefly discussed last week in the okay. catch uppers, which it only came out last week. You know, I've, I've got, a, I would say I've got a decent amount further. I probably put in another couple of hours, two and a half hours. And how are you finding it so far? It's continued in the same vein as I was finding it last week, man. It's, um, it's good fun. The combat is a little is you know a little challenging to get into at first, but once you're into it, it's quite intuitive and quite good. I've done the first chapter, if you like. I think it sort of splits its worlds into chapters. So right. I've done okay. the first main boss, which was actually pretty challenging. You know, it's a typical sort of Souls-like game fare where you know there's a couple of phases on your your bigger sort of bosses, but more like Sekiro in the sense that they actually have two full health bars right is that split between phases or how does that work well certainly in this first boss that i did you you knock off the first health bar in phase one then there's you know you sort of not quite a cut scene but it's sort of a, a set animation like the boss jumped away did some craziness and then popped back in and was phase two um with quite an actual you know i found it quite a tough difficulty spike initially but you know as is the case with these games once you learn the moves it's uh, not too bad just gotta wait for those openings and uh yeah sort of exactly. figure it out learn every time learn when you can do a certain attacks and when you can't learn when to come in with your strong attacks and uh yeah your um yeah energy draining claw attacks and things like that but no very satisfying when you win which is that's you know the adrenaline rush is what you play these games for so no uh so far so good um interestingly once you clear the world if you like by beating the boss certainly in stage one you then get a couple of sub quests underneath for the same world that you can do okay. and it actually puts you in different areas of the world and you sort of you might have to collect something or you know kill a certain enemy or whatever yeah and it I, you know just gives you a little bit more experience a little bit more of the lore i think i think you find a lot of codexes and stuff around which is again like in the dark Souls series <laughs> You find out most of Read the those item descriptions. Exactly, but uh, no, uh, it's just I'm still liking what it's putting down. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to putting some more hours into it. That's, uh, but unfortunately, that is really all I've played outside of uh, the challenge. But no, so hopefully uh, on next week's catch up, I'll have a few more things to talk about. But uh, we now move on to the next section, which is going to be a little bit of gaming news. Got a few stories here to uh, to discuss. First of which is that uh, Sony PlayStation are potentially being sued for five billion pounds. Oh jeez! For allegedly charging people up to thirty percent commission on every single digital and in-game purchase made through the PlayStation Store. Okay, so I mean, what does that actually mean? <laughs> so I mean, the article which I got from Sky News states that people have been allegedly ripped off because they've been overcharged for the digital gaming purchases. And apparently this has been taking place over a period of about six years. A chap called Alex Neal has uh, 
taken it to court and is going to see if uh, people might be able to get compensated for it. Right. And interestingly, a separate report from Give Me Sport, apparently people in the UK could be who own PlayStation could be receiving up to £562. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, it wow. sounds like it's definitely worth uh, checking my PlayStation wallet in case there's any sort of sudden deposit there. Although it's, it has been a minute since I've actually bought any titles on the PlayStation Store. Although I did quite, you know, use it fairly actively. Um, i got to say, um, you know, I did tend to wait for for the sales and i'm assuming that a lot of this applies to the the full price titles because it does seem to be a pretty universally known thing that uh you know there's much cheaper alternatives out there like Online game stores will actually sell those physical copies of the game for much cheaper than the digital version that the store offers. Uh, that's a pretty commonplace thing I've noticed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I'm the same as you. I, I got a PS4 very late and I bought, I think, pretty much all of my games on sale. So I have no context for this. I've got five games on PlayStation, maybe, and I don't I don't feel like I overpaid for any of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you know, I think I, put, I think I picked up Bloodborne for £10. Maybe seventeen ninety nine for the Gotti, uh, game of the year for those that don't know the abbreviation. So and that that's basically the main thing I played, and I have no issue with that. I mean that game's worth so much more in my mind. Yeah, you got a bargain there. Yeah, you almost like owe yeah. FromSoft a charitable donation for the amount of value you've gotten. Well, I mean, let's <laughs> let's not go putting debts in my name here, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much honestly. Uh, to be honest with you, I've you know f- love that game. But yeah, so uh, sticking with Sony. Um, they've also made the news this week for announcing a near global price hike on the PlayStation 5. Now, the reasons they've given are issues with the supply chain still as a result of the pandemic. Okay, that makes sense. It does make sense, unfortunately. We're still seeing that. Mm. And uh, sort of linked to that is uh, component prices rising. And this doesn't surprise me at all because no. when I was waiting for my PC last year, it was due to the silicon shortage in part because when the pandemic shut all the manufacturing down, silicon chips became like gold dust. So I'm not really surprised by this. The figures I've seen kicking about are that in the UK, the price could go up by about £30. Uh, In Australia, you're looking at 50 Aussie dollars. Canada is about 40 Canadian dollars. So, you know, you're looking at sort of 30 to 50 US dollar increases in most places. Interestingly, the US not affected. Oh, okay. That's an interesting interesting choice for a, a Japanese company, primarily. Um, I wonder why they're getting getting that priority there. Is it uh, is Japan affected by the uh, the price increases? Uh, I I don't believe they are. You know, I don't think that Japan are being affected. But as a result of this, Microsoft have come out and said that the Xbox is not going to follow suit. They see no reason to increase the prices on their consoles, which, to be honest, fits into Phil Spencer's ethos of trying to make games available for everyone. I think uh, you can't blame Microsoft for being able to take their jabs at sony whenever it's available uh yeah. sony's had some major dunks on microsoft back in the day uh in terms of their marketing so uh yeah you can't blame xbox at all for that yeah couldn't agree more i think uh, playstation had enough of their jabs in the past that say uh, you know microsoft want to get a cheeky one back in now i think they're more than entitled and i'm sure it'll go vice versa again at some point yeah no doubt no doubt now this next news story uh, is of particular interest to me because i'd love to hear your opinion on it so Per an article from Game Rant, which as an aside, I always think looks like Gamerant, which I think is much, much cooler than Game Rant. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, just imagine a little ant with headphones on playing a game. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook slash Meta fame has announced that the next Meta virtual reality headset is on the way. 
Uh, obviously, previous releases are the Oculus 1 and 2, I think, or the Oculus Quest 1 and 2, I believe it is. And apparently this new headset has got a planned release date for October. Now, I know that you are quite into your virtual reality. You, uh, you've you taken the plunge and you own, you own a headset, so you might even be a Quest 2. Yeah, it's as you say. Uh, I picked up a Quest 2 about a year ago. And since then, I've been kind of playing quite a few titles on it, particularly, you know, sort of the typical classics like Beat Saber and Superhot. Those are kind of some of the, the core must-haves that I would definitely say everyone with a Quest 2 should own. But then I've also picked up some sort of more advanced titles like uh, a Sniper Elite title as well as Resident Evil 4. Those are kind of slightly more in-depth experiences that offer uh, kind of more fleshed-out levels and a less kind of, uh, you know, the Beat Saber and probably, you know, I think a better comparison is the Super Hot games. But those tend to be very level-based where you're kind of teleporting around, it's very quick, and then you move on to the next level. Whereas uh, Sniper Elite and Resident Evil, um, as you, well, the Resident Evil is essentially a straight port of the, uh, the Resident Evil 4 title on PS2. So they offer a lot more levels for you to explore, a lot more more gameplay elements than the uh, than the other titles I'd mentioned. Oh, nice and uh, you know vast experience compared to me. Certainly, I've only played a little bit of Beat Saber. Very fun though. Yeah, rhythm games are really well kind of mapped out for the quest. The rhythm game style sort of fits perfectly in with the, certainly the early VR headsets. Uh, the issue seemed to be about traversal. So having something where you're static and can just move about is, is almost an easy win. Yeah, absolutely. But with that said, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing the capabilities of the, the Meta new headset that's coming out. Well, and I do have some facts for you. On oh, that. okay. Hit me with them. So... Apparently, this new headset, which doesn't have a name yet, interestingly, so they're not committing to the Quest 3 or anything like that. At the moment, it's just Project Cambria. Okay. Not to be confused with Coheed and Cambria, who, you know, pretty kick-ass band. Kick-ass band. But um, apparently, what's going to start being included is there's going to be a bit more of tracking hand movements. It's going to be able to know what your face is doing, including eye movement. Oh, gosh. Which is interesting. Okay. They're moving on to scanning our faces now. Well, this is it, right? And apparently it's also going to have um, a sort of mixed slash augmented reality type deal, potentially allowing users to bring virtual reality aspects into a full colour overlay of the real world. I mean, that does sound really awesome. And you can see how the technology is going to progress because for anyone that doesn't know, the Quest 2 is kind of one of the main, if not the only standalone VR headset that I'm aware of that's actually able to play games based on the software purely integrated into the headset itself. And is that, sorry, is that opposed to needing like your PC to run it for you, for example? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's no PC required. There's very little, you know, if, if at all, any setup required. Um, a lot of these VR headsets will uh you know you will need to set up a sort of a light setup around your room that will essentially map out your room and then the device runs off of that to synchronize your surroundings so that you don't go headbutting your tv or uh, you know uh, actually to be fair there's plenty of videos out there of people headbutting their tv or you know taking a nosedive off of the stairs because they're uh, playing on their quest tube <laughs> the ones that always used to make me laugh was the wii remote ones where people are doing like the tennis or whatever and it comes off their wrist and like breaks the TV. That reminds Stuck me of that. Stuck like a, like a f***ing shuriken in the TV. <laughs> yeah, you know the ones, man. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, oh, yeah, but uh, 
but I got to say, like, you know, the, the news of this is interesting. I'm kind of keen to get an idea of the hardware specs. Uh, so I would like to see what sort of games it's capable of playing. Because uh, I mentioned Resident Evil and Sniper Elite earlier. I mean, Resident Evil is a game that, although it's been, you know, seemingly built from the ground up for the VR, you know, graphically, it's not particularly impressive. It feels amazing to play in that environment in first person immersive perspective but you know the graphics do very much resemble playstation 2 and you know i gotta say even sniper elite compared to the uh the recent title which has just come out i believe you know the, the graphics are sort of night and day one's a kind of a you know a good looking ps2 game and one is a kind of like great looking uh ps5 game you know <laughs> yeah exactly man well in theory it could be night and day i mean there there wasn't much in the article about spec um i mean understandably that meta are probably keeping, keeping that, that quite close to their chest yeah, yeah exactly uh there's also no confirmation of price point either but speculation puts that the potential price could be up to double that of previous versions so you're looking at sort of 800 dollars potentially which Gosh. is obviously going to price a lot of people out of it but that is the price of new technology i suppose and you know if it can do everything that uh, the zuckerberg says that it can or says that it potentially could do who knows maybe it will be worth it and you know Maybe one step closer to the metaverse, eh? <laughs> We're all going to be incorporated into the metaverse. Scan your face in, it can tell your eye movements, you'll get a bodysuit soon so you can feel pain and shit. I mean, they've already got like a pretty accurate mapping of my residence at the moment because, I mean, those cameras <laughs> are just scanning your entire room. Uh, that's kind of what I meant to link on to earlier is the standalone aspect of the VR. Uh, the cameras on there actually allow you to map your room in a black and white vision. You can actually tap the headset and uh, you will go into the vision which just shows what your cameras are seeing, which is essentially what you can see with your own eyes with a slightly smaller field of view. But it's black and white and there are, you know, it does look quite funny. So you can imagine the progression of the technology in this one where they're actually going to have fully HD, full colour cameras out there to map. And they're not even the uh, the elements that you mentioned earlier, augmented reality elements. It would be really interesting to see, uh, you know, I suppose it always matters of how bothered you are by the potential for that information to be misused. And I think that that was kind of one of the big selling points of the Oculus Quest 2 initially was the fact that it was so cheap. But one of the things that put a lot of people off was the fact that it did require you to sign into your Facebook account to use it and a lot of people at the time yeah. uh, I think you know Cambridge Analytica was kind of fresh in people's minds so you know a lot of people were warded off if they were bothered about concerns about their sort of data being used in that way I, I was going to say it's not like Facebook have any sort of uh history with a misusing data is it <laughs> i gotta say i mean i wasn't put off you know i've got an amazon alexa i've got a google dot uh you know why not incorporate a, a camera that can see everything inside my house oh yeah and scan your retinas as well you know <laughs> with this new with new model you know hey you just you just need to give me a pin and then you're sorted right absolutely man <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean they already have that my card is locked and loaded <laughs> in as well it's, oh yeah uh... saved card details yeah <laughs> Um, you mentioned the financials earlier, um, which was a point that I wanted to pick up because also that uh, you may know that there was a price bump announced in July to the current MetaQuest 2 headset, which was previously known as the Facebook Quest 2 headset. I did not know that. The Zuck announced that price hike back in July. 
He announced that there would be a rough increase of around $100 per headset. Wow, $100. Yeah, it's actually a significant price hike. So actually, I, I did check just before the pod, but the 128 gigabyte version is actually now $399.99 as the uh, the standard going price. And the 256 gigabyte one is now actually sitting just under £500, $499.99. And you're saying that that was about £100 cheaper before? £100 cheaper. So it's actually... Actually, you know, I, would, I mean, because uh, $100 is roughly £85 at the moment. So an increase of $100, that was actually much more, it's £100. So it's a significantly more increase yeah. than uh, was initially forecasted. i got to say, I'm glad that I snagged mine last year before it cost me yeah. 100 quid more. Uh, you know, I'm also pleased, I suppose, that I didn't get it too early at the point where I'd be regretting not picking up, uh, you know, the the new model that uh, that they'll be offering, it sounds like, you know, within the next uh, within the next year or two. The next couple of months, mate. Oh, the next allegedly, couple of months. Allegedly October. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think that actually some of the finances involved there may well soften the blow for people in terms of their expectations. It did seem like Quest 2 were actually selling the headset at quite a loss, you know, based around the fact that you could actually, you know, link your Facebook account with it. Yeah, that was referenced in the article that most of the hardware sells at a loss. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that that was kind of their plan to sort of to get people bought into this technology initially. You know, it worked for Sony. Why can't it work for the Zuck? Well, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for Big Gabe to do it as Steam, <laughs> personally. You know, I do think that... One of the things that would uh, would really interest me, though, was some sort of big announcement like this next headset is going to be able to play Half-Life Alex or something like that. You know, a, a title that's actually going to really sell the next headset that I would assume is is they're continuing the standalone headset, no PC type ethos going forward. I, I would assume so. I mean, I would have to reread the article, but from what I remember, the article didn't mention that. It was mainly talking about the fact that this is on its way as a thing and, you know, it's going to have these capabilities, you know, because the other thing that always worries me about these new technologies and adding so much more stuff to it is, is it going to become a bigger piece of kit? Yeah, The Oculus Oculus Quest 2, it's not heavy, particularly. It's not that cumbersome. It fits quite nicely. But if you added an extra, a couple hundred grams or something on there, it could become a problem. And giving something more power in my mind still makes it bigger even though that's not necessarily the case with modern technology. So um, I really hope that uh, they don't make it too cumbersome because, hey, people will start getting neck problems and that'll be something that no one wants to deal with. But also it could put off potential uh, new buyers into the space, myself included. I think that there's probably a lot that they can do with a head strap. Uh, Initially, after I bought it, I was immediately flooded with a bunch of different uh, Quest-related accessories that I could buy on my YouTube feed and on Facebook (laughs) as well. I wonder how they knew all that. How did they know you'd bought a Quest? It's It's like all of my devices are listening to me. I probably encourage that by having an Amazon Alexa. Or it's like they share your data. Somehow. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly share data. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, so always interesting to get your thoughts on VR, as I know that uh, you're fairly big proponent of it i'd say yeah absolutely you know i like to support the uh, the progress towards that i think it's a really cool concept you know absolutely admit that it needs refining but um yeah as i say i'm just happy i jumped in earlier before there was a price hike <laughs> absolutely man absolutely so i guess uh, the message here is watch this space let's see what they come up with in october so moving on to the next news story um 
if one that you actually brought to the table is uh, the Saints Row reboot. This is quite an interesting one, though, actually, because uh, we did bring this up last week, uh, but we actually edited the uh, article out because we decided that yeah. it just didn't make the cut. You know, Embracer was actually uh, previously in the news last week because they had recently acquired the movie, video game and merchandising rights for Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Lord of the Rings franchise uh, from the Tolkien estate, although the Tolkien estate had retained the sort of the rights to the literary works. However, Embraced uh, Studios have now acquired those rights. So, uh, you know, we were doing a bit of speculation about what sort of projects were likely to come out of that. It just so happens that they're back in the news this week. Unfortunately, not a good news, though. Uh, their share prices have dropped um, because of initial poor reviews on the Saints Row reboot. I mean, I've got to say, I've, I've seen a little bit of gameplay so far, and, you know, it's hard to tell whether it's just the cyberpunk effect of essentially everyone realised that it's uh, it's going to get a lot of views by posting these glitches. You know, but I've seen some pretty extraordinary bugs. Um, actually, a lot of similar stuff to cyberpunk. People driving around, and then their car suddenly disappears, and they're suddenly on foot with no sign of the car. Standard. They would be driving past certain parts of the scenery, and there's just a complete tear within the scenery that you can see underneath the map, which kind of suddenly and very obviously fixes itself in front of them as they continue to look at it. So there is some, you know, I gotta say, initial glimpses into the game that I've seen of the gameplay definitely doesn't uh, inspire much faith from my end. Well, I've got to say, as you know, but, you know, as our, our listeners and viewers may not be aware of, I'm actually a, a fairly big fan of the Saints Row series. I came into it a little late. I, I played Saints Row 2 first, which I loved. Saints Row the 3rd, loved even more. Uh, well, possibly, actually. They're about on par. Oh, that's very divisive, I would say. I think, you know, well, you're probably one of the only people I know uh, that would actually put those two on par. You know, my encounters with uh, with the opinions on these games so far seem very divided between Saints Row 2 and Saints Row 3 as to which one's better. And there's very little leeway for the other one, depending on their perspective. Well, see, from my perspective, I think Saints Row the 3rd is the better game. But Saints Row 2 has cooler factions. I assume you mean by better game, you mean uh, that the sort of the gameplay was much more fluid in Saints Row 3. It did yeah. have more polish. The cutscenes had some, you know, although there were sort of needlessly injected QTEs, they did have some pretty cool yeah. set pieces and things like that. Yeah, and, and you know, it's just it's a newer game, so it was just a bit more polished, you know, a few more quality of life things. I really liked the choice element. In Saints Row the Third. Right, yes, yeah. So, you know, with like, uh, you can either destroy the tower or not destroy the tower, and you get X for doing this and Y for doing that. I, I thought that was quite a nice take on it. But yeah, and then, you know, Saints Row 4 was Saints Row 4, it's fine. You know, it's, it's essentially a glorified DLC. But uh, I have no interest in this new Saints Row. Um, the fact that they've sort of... And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, because towards the end, Saints Row got a bit ridiculous with how Saints Row it was, for lack of a better term. It set out to be sort of competition with Grand Theft Auto GTA. Although a much sort of wackier take on it. Well, I was going to say, because 1's not really. No, you're right. That but is much from, more But then a... from 2 onwards, it becomes yeah. way more wackier, way more zany. Yeah. And initially, I think that's what drew me in. Um, it's kind of similar to Borderlands, in a way. When, when Borderlands first started... It was, you know, zany, but then when it got to about, when it got to, by the time it got to Borderlands 3, it's just way too over the top, and they're mm. just, like, they've almost killed their own humour. They were edging on it in pre-sequel, I think, Borderlands, the kind yeah. of the interim between uh, 2 and 3. No, I, I agree, but it really went too far in 3, and it was just trying way too hard, and I think Saints Row did the same thing. Okay. You know I mean, f I never played Get Out of Hell, but... Uh. No. <laughs> 
Did anyone play <laughs> Gats Out of Hell? I got given it for free by Xbox, and I still haven't played oh, it. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, not interested. I got four free on uh, on Xbox at one point or another, and I've still yet to, yet to play that properly as well. I played maybe 20 minutes of it before I... Uh, gave in yeah no i don't blame you man four really isn't uh really isn't all that but no but getting, getting back to the point at hand the reboot doesn't interest me because it seems to have lost that zaniness completely i think it's trying to t- from what i've seen and obviously i last checked out when the promotional material was really really young and to me it looks like it's trying to take itself a bit more seriously in this reboot i agree i mean i think that the comparisons you know i've heard people chuck around the fact that it's too woke uh, I'm not really sure whether that's a particularly fair comparison, but it does seem like, as you say, they've tried to go for a slightly more mature theme. You know, I would agree there. But then also, I mean, the gang just looks like a group of sort of hipsters out of uh, just out of college. You know, it doesn't really have that kind of tone that the uh, the original games had in my mind in, in, in terms of uh, the characters that they're running there. They're much more, I think they tried to make it refined, but it resulted in it being much more bland and much more kind of akin to things that we've seen before. Actually, looking at it, it almost looks more like a follow-up to the recent Watch Dogs title, uh, you know, at a glance from some of the cutscenes and character character scenes that I've seen. I, I would think it's fair to say that early Saints Row is kind of, has that cult following for its zaniness. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're sort of, you're shitting on those people, and I count myself amongst them. I'm not interested in playing a Saints Row game that doesn't have the Saints Row pizzazz, mm, that Saints Row sort of zaniness. I'm not interested in playing a, a Saints Row game that's trying to be serious. I think that's why I didn't like one, that and I played it after two and three. But, you know, it's almost like it's lost its soul a little bit, and not in the good way, where, you know, something can lose some of itself and actually become better. But no, it, just, it feels like it's taken Saints Row out of Saints Row, and that, that bothers me. And I don't think I'm going to play it as a result. And this just sort of adds to that fire, really. I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. It's taken the uh, Saints Row out of Saints Row and it's just left behind kind of a husk that vaguely resembles uh, Saints Row 3 in my eyes. Whereas before it was always a sort of a more of a, you know, as we've said, a bit more of a wacky take. And that was always, you know, what put it ahead and what made it unique. Exactly. And uh, so to lose that for me is a massive shame. And our final news story, a very, very quick one, really, and uh, great news for all those Souls fans out there. Dark Souls 3 multiplayer is back on PC, uh, with Dark Souls 1 and 2 soon to follow, apparently. Very briefly, there was uh, a bug discovered that was sort of uh, a massive security breach, so they took all the multiplayer servers offline, much to the chagrin of all those PvP players, but now... We're back up and running. Absolutely. We're ready to go, ready to get our summons in. I do think that uh, it wasn't actually that brief, though. It was about seven months, I think, that uh, all in all said that uh, the servers were down. Uh, Yeah, no, I think that it's absolutely good news for anyone that's, uh, you know, a fan of Dark Souls. Uh, You know, fingers crossed they're actually able to bring the earlier two titles online as well. Having previously completed Bloodborne together, um, you know, actually it was earlier today that we were discussing we would quite like to start up a, uh, you know, some sort of Dark Souls stream co-op run-through. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a difficult run-through, but I'm sure it's going to be packed with a bunch of laughs and uh, a lot of fun that we'll have along the way. Indeed. Watch this space, people. <laughs> Watch this space. Um, but though, I think that about covers the news this week. Uh, you know, a few juicy stories to get into there. Uh, but... We now move on to the section that I'm sure you're particularly excited about, Will. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. It's now time to talk about the games challenge from last week. How did you get on, James? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. What did you think? As I said, this is one of my, uh, you know, 
absolute top titles out there that I've really had a great time playing. I got to hear your take. So, uh, for everyone's benefit, the games challenge from last week was uh, Bioshock, the first one. So I was playing Bioshock Remastered on the PC. As I say, I wasn't feeling too great this week, very tired. Um, so I didn't go into it initially with a lot of excitement because I wasn't feeling too hot. But I've got to say, it, it, it sucked me in, man. It's uh, it's a very, very cool game. You know, as we mentioned briefly last, I, I have played Bioshock Infinite before. Um, and, it's, and from a mechanical perspective, it's very similar. But obviously, you know, starting off with the plane crash getting into the lighthouse and then descending into rapture i really liked that opening scene where you're mm. sort of you're you're sort of um floating down in the submarine and you're, you're seeing all of rapture and you're like uh, you're seeing the city in its full glory everything looks quite idyllic it's a really nice glimpse of what's to come really nice glimpse but it's also very misleading because as i say it looks really idyllic really serene and nice you get inside and the first it's thing you all see gone to shit. you see some guy with hook hands just destroying everything and i'll be like what the f- is going on here <laughs> it's quite a nice welcome when you see someone getting literally disemboweled in front of you yeah like literally <laughs> really liked um the sort of the way that the game leads you forward with um almost like akin to i guess metal gear solid codec entries but sort of not quite as invasive in terms of you can still walk about and i mean invasive in a nice way I yeah don't mean like, <laughs> it's, i don't it's, mean like uh, oh, it ruins the flow of the game i mean it but you know you literally have to stop playing and it pops up and it's almost like a cutscene. Yeah, that's right. But with Bioshock, it just pops up on the bottom of your screen. Yeah. I liked the pacing of it. I liked how it introduced you to the themes, such as the plasmids and things like that. And the way it does that, the way you get introduced to the little sisters and the big daddies and that mechanic in terms of getting Adam out. The the voice actor of Atlas uh, is just so on point. I really, I think that he really kind of absorbs you into the whole, uh, the concept of the game and the fact that he's a survivor out there also looking to, you know, to rescue his family and get off of Rapture. And, you know, and what's not to love about a lovely, jovial Irishman? Absolutely. There's something yeah. very calming about that. you it? straight in. absolutely and you know and why wouldn't you trust the guy so i should say there is going to be bioshock spoilers here but you know it's a fucking old game so unfortunately i was aware of the whole would you kindly thing before i played it um because i have seen review videos and things of that nature um and it turned out i was aware of a lot more of things but uh, i didn't remember them until it popped up so it's still i still got the feeling of like you know oh shit that's cool yeah yeah um so like for example the whole uh, atlas being fontaine reveal right um, yeah i thought that was yeah. really cool because obviously in the lead up to meeting andrew ryan who is pitted as the main an- um, antagonist of the game but actually isn't you know there's all the you know if you pick up the diary entries and things like that there's loads of speculation that uh, fontaine's dead Yes. So you don't really expect it. That's right. And then, uh, you know, that reveal, um, even though when it came up, I was like, oh, shit, I do remember that. Um, it was re- still, it was really nice because I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I remember just, that. <laughs> that. That guy's dead. That guy's dead. What the hell? It was fresh to you in the instant. Exactly. And that, and that to me, I think that's just as good, right? Yeah, I would um, say so. But, um, you know, going back to the game itself, I thought um, what is essentially, I think, pitted as a horror game. Um, sort of FPS with horror elements. Yeah, I would say it's a, it, it is a horror game. Um, but I did actually, you know, I, I feel like I missed that on the first pass. I just saw it as an action game kind of thing initially. Well, I mean, when people, um, you know, said that it was a horror game, I kind of looked back on it and actually kind of noticed the horror scenes after the fact, actually. Uh, you know, why don't you describe the first encounter that you have with uh, one of the, uh, the enemies in the game? I was going to say that for me, the horror element comes from the story rather than the actual game itself. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. if you think about if you think about the the story, it's it's a glorified arms race, 
right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and the way that these people have just gone mad by the power of the atom and being able to use plasmids and things is uh, that I think is the horror of it. And the way that they sort of genetically modify these like, young children to be able to produce more atom to become more powerful, uh, I find that really intriguing. It's a good system using kind of like uh, you know typically uh, unimposing, un unaggressive features, and then making them into these quite creepy, uh, yeah. kind of creepy staples of the series. And even the way they did those echoey voices where it's like a little girl's voice for the little sister with the background sort of noise of like Distorted a, a full-grown man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works really well. Um, but going back to your point there, so my first, I assume you're talking about my first encounter with a big daddy. Uh, no, I was actually talking about, uh, you know, just as you get out of the, uh, the pod that takes you to the underwater ground, uh, you make your way up some stairs, get your first plasmid, which I believe is the electroshock ability. Correct, yeah. And then after you progress there, you enter into uh, some sort of big atrium and you hear some singing. This is a particularly creepy moment that I looked back on and, as I said, noticed after the fact. So I believe that this is uh, the enemy that you see first disemboweling someone who tries to sort of cut into your submarine and then sort of runs off. Gives up. <laughs> Gives up. You're, you're then just, you're following it and then you, you sort of see slash hear her again. And then she goes. That's right, yeah. And then as you say... Um, if I remember this specific bit correctly, because frankly, there were quite a lot of these as the game went on. Actually, um, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I do right. actually think it's a uh, it's a different one. If I remember correctly, the one that you're fighting there is a leadhead splicer, and then I can't remember the name of the ones with the hooks, but they are two separate breeds. Spider slicer. Yeah, the spider, thank you. Yeah, the spider splicer. Yeah, um, so I think that they actually, they do make a point of you encountering them again, but from memory, I think that you may hold off fighting her. I think that it's actually, it's it's intended yeah. that it's a separate enemy. You do, yes, because I remember not fighting her for quite a while, and when you do fight her, eventually she sort of menacingly drops down from this, like, lowers right. herself down from the ceiling and then lobs grenades at you. And yeah. Like that. But no, I thought the enemy design was really cool. It was kind of zombies, but not. And so the first main boss guy you fight is um, the Doctor. I forget his name off the top of my head. Doctor Stalin or something like that. Doctor Steiner, I think it is. Steiner, Steiner it begins that's... with an S. I yeah. remember that. Um, and, you know, and the whole story around him and how he's a plastic surgeon who ends up enjoying his job way too much and starts trying to find, like, he, he sort of designs people's faces like a Picasso. <laughs> He's chopping chunks out of them and yeah. overly obsessed with symmetry. <laughs> yeah, but then you look at any of the faces of his victims and they're not symmetrical at all. No, they're pretty horrifying. They look like yeah, someone's it's... just kind of hacked randomly at a face. Exactly. If you go check out a Cannibal Corpse album cover and you get the sort of idea. <laughs> You're close. Right? Yeah. But no, and, and sort of the whole aesthetic of, of his lab in particular was really cool. And like, again, it's, it was the fact that the, the diary entries were laid out so nicely and you mm. just got a real feel about his victims, his associates. And, you know, throughout the game, people just, you know, it was all really well interlinked, I found, all the characters. Um, you know, and from there you move on to a nut job who uh, likes to create art from dead body photos. It's just that essentially it's like a series of, uh, you know, underground artists and uh, kind of like social deviants uh, that have just gone completely out of control as they've become more and more addicted and psychotic through taking yeah. this uh, this atom substance. Yeah, 
obviously it's quite, it's the sort of fairly typical mirror of society with the people in power and their nice little lush yeah sort of penthouses and just like uh taking all the profit and just letting the the, the slums sort of run themselves that's an absolute kind of recurring theme of the the series as a whole even yeah, incorporating absolutely. uh bioshock infinite into that as well yeah exactly the god complex is very much a thing uh certainly in one and in infinite i, I can't speak for two but i'm sure it's there as well just to to take you back um we were talking you know about the initial encounter with the with the leadhead splicer lady um so she's singing away and she appears to be kind of looming over the uh over a pram and kind of singing a lullaby to a baby in there as you approach you start to notice that things are not all that they seem she kind of spins around and uh starts shooting you oh, i just shot her oh oh i see okay so, I, okay so i think this is why you might have been leading me down a path that i wasn't sure because uh, i don't think you even have a gun at that point i think you would have probably just bashed her with the wrench yeah yeah just I, def- I definitely didn't wait for it to turn around. Okay, so, so this is what happened. This is what happened to me, and this is how I missed out on like the kind of the horror themes of the game was the fact that you know I, I had a wrench that looked like an enemy. I just went over and bashed her the first time. Oh. Well, if you put the reticle over it, it goes red, right? That yeah, means, right. You that know, means kill. If that means the reticle kill. is red, that means they must die. Yeah, because the other one that's like that is you end up in some matey's flat and there's two people dancing really nicely. That's they're right. Just having a little dance. And, you know, just because they're the reticle enemies, they... was red, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The reticle was red. You know, what, what are you going to do? You didn't uh, You didn't make the uh, that choice. The reticle no. made the choice for you. It's a game decision. Yeah. <laughs> so, overall, I'd say I really, really enjoyed it. There, there were a few things I didn't like. I didn't like not having a... a toggleable sprint okay yeah you can yeah. sort of, you could you could go you could press control and you'd go into a walk mode and you can press into control again and you'd go into sort of a jog i would have liked sort of you know your typical hold shift and sprint because i feel like that would have got me out of a couple of binds particularly with i think it's the bouncer big daddies when they do the run at you attack you're absolutely right the the game does sort of lack a few features uh one of them being sprint it's kind of it comes from a slightly older generation of games i yeah. like to think before sprinting was a standardized feature in fps's also another thing that really stands out for me is the fact that your gun inventory is just ever expanding as you you know as you encounter more guns which is quite a contrast to infinite which went down the route of uh, only two guns maximum of two guns and then you also had other things like uh, you essentially had an overshield like a halo style overshield with regenerative yeah. health whereas in bioshock one you have to kind of rely on med packs and uh, you know and things with like the tiniest that. health bar up, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's expandable though right you can extend it i think with something oh yeah but each upgrade gave you like, minimal like virtually nothing i think i used four upgrades throughout the whole game and I, that wasn't all of them i know yeah um and i think my health bar may be in- increased by like two centimeters okay <laughs> on your maybe. screen maybe <laughs> yeah on my screen yeah, yeah so it's yeah. uh so that but that was fine it's a horror game i expect that sort of thing you know um yeah. likewise with the sprint I, I mean it may be that that was an intended mechanic I know that you've spoken before about early Resident Evil games and how the, the clunky controls are almost a design feature to sort of make the a little bit more scary because it puts you a little bit more on edge, right? Maybe they were going for the same sort of thing. Maybe yeah. it's just a product of the time. Who yeah. knows? But, and the other thing that sort of annoyed me a bit, but again, it's, it's kind of just it's probably just me being a bit of a dick really is um because of the way the enemies sort of come in and you can sort of clear a room but then the enemies walk walk around the map really sort of independently you can just get shot from off screen yes yeah so that caught me a couple of times and the final thing that was weird to me rather than annoyed me was that by end game a lot of my guns even ones i'd fully upgraded seemed to be doing no damage 
Ah, so... Like, um, like the pistol yeah. and the machine gun in particular, I noticed the damage drop off in the last maybe three, area, three four areas. Were you making sure to vary your ammunition types based on yeah, the enemies? Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. Well, not, okay. no, but I was doing it randomly. I didn't, because of the speed I was trying to play through the game. Right, didn't have I perhaps didn't learn that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I did learn is that on bosses, the crossbow is OP. The crossbow is a very powerful tool. Yeah, the crossbow absolutely. is great. Yeah, it's if you can play that game on New Game Plus with the crossbow, it's an absolute cinch. Dream it is. Yeah, I mean, I beat you know I beat the final boss in less than five minutes just using the crossbow. I used to use a combination of plasmids and sticky grenades. I think for my. Yeah. I didn't, do you know, I didn't use the plasmids as much as I probably should have. Really? Okay, yeah, I mean, they're very useful. So I was using the stu- the electric stun to stun machines and hack them. Yeah. Because I found that hacking cameras and hacking gun turrets was a really, A, cool feature, and B, it was really useful. Yes, absolutely, yeah. You can use them to watch your back and kind of reduce those instances of enemies shooting you off screen that have seen you. Um, yeah. You know, because it's almost like you'll hear your turrets start shooting and you know there's enemies around, which is always good. You know, you've got that choice, though. You can destroy them or you can hack them it's cool yeah um and going off that point you know there's one mission where um as i say for that guy who uh sort of has a fetish for taking art photos of dead bodies there's what part of his mission is you have to go off and kill three people and take photos of their corpses i killed two of them myself one of them was killed by a turret i'd hacked right yeah and that's and it just and it popped up on the screen and just said you know Cobb's dead now you can go take a picture of his body and i was like Fuckin i don't know where this guy is <laughs> I mean, the, the camera is another, um, you know, a tool in the game that you can really significantly use to increase your overall damage, because I think that there's two or three levels of uh, that you can unlock as you take more photographs of the different ones. There's a multiplier for how much experience you get per photo, uh, depending on whether the enemy is currently attacking you, or whether they're doing an action, or whether they're just standing still, for instance. Yeah, and tonics you can unlock as well. You can get certain tonics that, like, add percentage to your experience. That's right but i think for the majority of them by the third level once you photograph them enough uh you actually just get kind of like a, a blanket damage increase to that enemy type and so it is very much worth using those but i can fully appreciate that given the time that you had you didn't really have time to be looking around every corner and uh, trying to snap no. a photo of every enemy before they start to attack you i think i managed to max out three and one of them was the little sister which doesn't help at all it gives you more health and <laughs> it gives you slightly more health than eve which is the mana essentially in the game yeah that's right but i got uh, um, the Rosie, which is another one of the big daddies, I think I got that maxed out. May might have been the bouncer, it was one of them. But I honestly didn't notice. I really didn't. So the big daddies are essentially the guardians of these little sister type characters, uh, which seem to be responsible for going around and sucking out any residual Adam from the corpses that are left around Rapture. Pretty twisted, because you see a little girl walking around with a like a giant kind of syringe gun. It looks like a, a kind of a glowing red mastic applicator yeah. gun. <laughs> it does, and, and fuck me, it wouldn't be an old school game without a fucking escort quest, would it? <laughs> and yeah, my no, goodness. Oh, you did the, that's why I wanted to ask you, how did you find the become the big daddy moment? <laughs> so becoming the big daddy was really cool. Yeah. I liked, I like. I mean, you know, it doesn't actually show a cutscene, but you know the one, the bit that like, uh, it's called like the larynx effector or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's literally this right. claw that comes out and twists around and it's, uh, it insinuates that it like, like basically scrapes your vocal I don't think you're out. coming back from that. I don't no, think you're... No, I mean, you're, you're not, you're not yeah. surviving, are you? <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you may well survive, I guess, in the law. I don't think you're going to be able to just be fine after that and get out the suit yeah. and... Seems like a bit irreversible. <laughs> yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? But I do like how it changes your voice. Like, uh, actually, yeah. like, you know, you, when you move about and stuff, you actually, and like, you get hit, it's like, ooh. 
It's a cool little to, effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really liked how when you put the head on, you get like the uh, fish eye view, the fishbowl view, sorry, not yeah, fish eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really neat. Um, and obviously the 25% uh, damage reduction when you get the full armor was really nice. But Jesus Christ, man, that escort quest at the end was the most long thing ever. I, I don't mind escort quests, but can you at least walk quicker, little girl? Like, for God's sake, like you're just <laughs> straggling behind. Like, I lost one little sister in that because I didn't realize that she'd stopped. I didn't know that she was stopping at the corpses to take Adam from them. So I was just like running on my way down to the doors that she had to open. And it's like, oh, your little, you need to regen your little sister. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But in that time, I'd managed to go down the whole hallway, hack all the turrets and things. So it was quite easy after that. But my goodness, it took about half an hour and it should have taken about five minutes. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was probably the most annoying thing in the game. Um, there were a few moments where I sort of ran out of ammo and got myself in a bind where I was in a almost a death loop because I had no health, no first aid kits. There wasn't a vending machine about and I had to get from point A to point B. I do remember a tricky, uh, yeah, a couple of tricky scenarios like yeah. that. Many uh, trips back to the, the Vita chambers, I think they're called. Aren't yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, overall, um, I can see why it's one of your top games. It's very, very good. I had a good time with it. I, I think I finished it in about nine hours maybe slightly less because i don't know how much that was idle time that's pretty damn good going i mean you know i think i said last week that you'd be somewhere between eight to twelve something like that yeah so, i think yeah. that's what you said yeah and, well and you know well done man and thanks man and uh i did get all the little sisters i did save them all oh so you got the okay and you saved them all as well you so i got uh, so i got and i actually i mean i don't know what you get for draining their adam but when they give you a gift every three that you rescue or something, you get like 200 Adam from that. So I can't imagine it being more. That's the kind of dilemma of the game, isn't it? Whether you yeah. uh, whether you sort of save them and you get the, uh, you know, the benefit of a little bit of Adam, but then later down the line, you'll get kind of like a mystery prize. Yeah. As James said, every few that you actually save, or you get the kind of the immediate reward, you end up killing them absorbing the Adam out of them and they turn into a weird sea slug thing and uh, you get the immediate benefit of loads of points that you can then spend to upgrade your powers, your plasmids. Which is something yeah. I suppose we've kind of neglected to speak about uh, too much so far, but why don't you kind of go off and list off some of your favourite plasmids, or at least the ones that were most memorable to you. You did mention that you hadn't used them perhaps as much as you should yeah. have, but uh, I want to hear which ones you enjoyed using. So the main ones that I were use, I mean, shock to stun machines so you could hack them was a really useful one always useful yeah and enemies yeah, as well i didn't use it so much in enemies but i actually had a tonic that when i got hit it would send out a shockwave so i didn't really need to that's a cool one there's yeah. what i will say is you may have missed this but there's quite a few sections in the game where if enemies are standing in puddles if you shoot the puddle you'll actually zap multiple enemies at once it's really yeah, quite i didn't useful. miss that <laughs> you didn't yeah nope that was very fun yeah that. that's really good a really great mechanic uh so i also used incinerate quite a lot yeah, because that was useful strong. for a little bit of damage over time. I I liked the aesthetic of the insects one. The bees, yeah, that's yeah, quite a difficult one to achieve, but it's quite a fun one. Yeah, but it's it's not massively useful, but it was fun. It was a nice gimmick. Yeah, one one that I unlocked very near the end, but never actually used was Enrage. Okay, yeah, that's one that I tend to hold off using as well, particularly yeah. because it's just kind of uh, what's the spell in Skyrim or the Fury. old school? Fury. There you go. Yeah, yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, why don't you tell them what what does it do? So uh, very briefly, what it does is uh, you cast it on an enemy, and uh, it'll make them attack other enemies rather than you. Um, and I thought that would be really useful, but I got it. I basically unlocked it a level before the final boss. I unlocked it just before that escort quest. Yeah. And by that point, yeah. it's useless. The other one that I unlocked super late was um, the uh, winter one. 
so you can freeze enemies. Okay, yes, yeah, that is a useful one as well. And I think that there are some sort of... Um, I know that the Electro one can be used to unlock certain doors that are jammed yeah. uh, if you shoot that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a similar application for the ice as well, if I remember. Well, you can use the fire to melt ice. I don't know if you can use the ice or anything. You might be able to freeze water, I guess. There were quite a few water things that were dripping down, so maybe you could maybe. do something Maybe. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right, though. I'm probably getting confused. It was You're right, it was using the flame attacks to kind of unlock frozen areas. Uh, so those are the main plasmids I used, really. I, I know that there were more that I could have used. The telekinesis one you have to use at one point just to lob a grenade back at someone. That's particularly effective, actually. There's quite a few heavy objects in the game that you can use to sort of pick up people. I actually, one time I did do a, you know, a kind of like telekinesis heavy playthrough um, where I was focusing on sort of picking up a lot of heavy objects. Uh, there's also sort of flame canisters and things like that that yeah. you can throw at people. So there's a lot of opportunities to do that sort of stuff. Um, but we also also briefly touched on uh, you know the fact that I saved all the little sisters, so I did get the good ending, and it was really satisfying actually seeing all these uh, you know beating the final boss with its uh, you you could sort of generously call it four health bars yeah <laughs> and uh, then you know beating that fourth one getting jumped and then seeing all these little sisters come out of the woodwork and uh, stab his ass to death you know it was really a really satisfying conclusion and then you know quite a touching cutscene where you take them all back to the surface and then they all actually have a life where they just can be children and grow up and then on your deathbed there's like five hands that reach out and it's like oh you got a family that's sweet isn't it that's right it's a very idyllic ending uh yeah, yeah. that sort of scenario yes yeah an all-round nice pleasant ending after doing exactly. the right thing can see why it's one of your favorite games man well um i'm really really pleased that you enjoy playing it over the week uh you know i can't say there was a tiny part of me that was slightly worried that you were going to absolutely trash this game and come back and say will what the f did you have me playing for the last <laughs> week um, so yeah, no, I'm really glad that you did enjoy it. Um, you know, there was a fairly high degree of confidence that you were, but you know, it was one of those games that for a long time you had mentioned to me that you hadn't actually yet gone to, gone through, even though that uh, you know you had played a bit of Infinite. But uh, yeah, no, I think that it was a it was a nice one to round off with. Definitely, you know, comfortably achievable within the week given as well. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I hope that your win streak continues. Well, we'll see, man. We'll see. But speaking of win streaks potentially <laughs> this is the bit i'm really looking forward to <laughs> i was gonna say are you ready for your first challenge i am i am i'm ready the anticipation is killing me i gotta say i'm really looking forward to this well so this is an interesting one i uh i, I know you've played it okay okay um but i'm not sure if you've finished it before like bioshock is probably one of your all-time faves this one is one of my all-time faves Good. Okay, yeah. Strong. So, your first challenge is... Borderlands number one. Borderlands one? Oh my god. But not the enhanced version. The OG Game of the Year version. OG Game of the Year version, Borderlands 1. James, that is a great shout. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is a title that I've, you know, I've played a good amount of. We've even played a good amount of it together. Borderlands 1, like every other Borderlands title, or titles that, you know, I've put significant hours into in terms of completing the main campaign, but I've never actually completed a single Borderlands title. I'm really, really psyched to be playing this. Uh, looking forward to, uh, to figuring out the end. Do you have any advice for me? My advice for the characters, I mean, all four of them are viable. I hear Mordecai's got a, a good edge, though. His, his long-range sniping stuff is pretty pretty good, right? Mordecai's my guy, but, you know, don't discount Roland's turret. And likewise, don't discount Brick's melee, either. Really? Brick? Okay. Ooh, yeah. would you say... I mean, I, I played as Mordecai, and I played as Roland. I think I'm going to go Brick. Is that a bad decision? 
No, no, not at all. Okay, if they're all viable, I'm going to go brick. I think I'm going to do it. Do it, man. I mean, he speciali- he's specialised as being a tank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I like being a big knuckle dragon brute sort of thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I I'll mean, tell that- you what, brick has some of the best dialogue. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's yeah. nice. That's nice. I like that. It's not be good. No, man. My only stip is the, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, is uh, not the enhanced version. Play the original. Because I want to see whether you enjoy one of my personal favourite mechanics about the game, which is the more you use a gun type, the more that just that gun type levels up. I do remember that. So if you were to use pistols exclusively, you'd eventually have like much bigger clips, much bigger recoil reduction, much bigger damage and, you know, all that good stuff. Kind of similar to the badass ranks that came in later Borderlands, but you don't have control about where it goes. It's just upgrades that weapon type. Yeah, I mean... I do remember that being a system in, in the original Borderlands that I really liked. I remember Mordecai's pistols were absolutely off the chain just because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, that was kind of what I spent most of the time shooting. I don't suppose that probably isn't going to apply to the melee attacks that Brick has. No, but Brick's also a shotgun specialist. Oh, right. Okay. Well, yeah, and no, this You can like... become OP with shotguns if you if you find the right one. That definitely sounds like something, uh, you know, that I want to get stuck into. I suppose the, the fourth character that we've uh, neglected to mention so far is Lilith right correct yeah and the siren the, the siren. firehawk that's it yeah she's kind of like the i mean i guess if there was a mage class in this she's that i guess yeah uh, but if i remember correctly her ability is phase walking which phase is just walking, the, that's it which is just sort of disappearing and you can sort of go around the back of people and kill them and stuff but um it's the one character i've not actually had that much experience with all the other three i've done quite a lot with but uh i suppose she's kind of the only one that doesn't actually have an offensive capability particularly i think that there is actually some sort of like a uh, damage thing that you can do as you come out of the warp like you yeah. can damage people around you but uh, that doesn't come later so i guess those initial you know the first three characters roland uh mordecai and brick that we mentioned they're kind of easier to get along with in in the initial instance for sure mm. i'm a little torn between uh brick and lilith now you know flip a coin maybe, mate yeah i was gonna say i might actually just have to flip a coin on that one we'll yeah. do that uh i guess we'll decide that on stream we'll do that live on stream yeah <laughs> we'll do it live yeah <laughs> yeah. But no, so no other stipulations apart from that, man. Uh, you know, I, I finished the game in 18 hours. Okay. Uh, so yeah. it should be achievable in a week, potentially, particularly with a bank holiday on Monday. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I hope that you like it as much as I do, because uh, it's my favourite one of the Borderlands series. Uh, thanks very much. I'm really looking forward to taking on this challenge. I am going to take it seriously. Uh, you know, I'm going to put a real concerted effort into actually trying to complete this for the challenge, first and foremost, but also because actually this is a title that I've been meaning to complete for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I think that it's absolutely worthy of being completed. So yeah. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to getting on it and I'm really looking forward to actually streaming this content as well. So feel free to tune in over the next week. I'm sure I'll be announcing it over Twitter and uh, wherever else we're on social media. Well, I'm glad that you're looking forward to the challenge, man. I look forward to uh, hearing all about it on next week's show. And uh, and with that, we come to the end of episode two of Total Pod Mode. Have we learned anything this week? I learned that Bioshock's quite a good game. Well, we also learned that uh, PlayStation 5s are getting more expensive. Uh, Meta Quests are getting more expensive. What isn't getting more expensive in this age that we're living in? (laughs) I'll tell you what's not expensive. Checking us out on Spotify. (laughs) I suppose we don't need to do any takebacks or apologies this week. Uh, We didn't actually insult any dead people this time. uh, So I think we're we're good to go. I agree. No takebacks or apologies needed this week. This time. This time. This so on this occasion <laughs> who knows give us time we might offend someone further down the line we've still got a couple of minutes left of the pod we'll wrap something <laughs>
I was going to call someone a c- then I can't think of anyone appropriate. <laughs> uh, so, you know, then with that, we come to the end of episode two of Total Pod Mode. Once again, you know, we're hoping to get on some streams this week and hopefully I'll get my ass together this week and uh, maybe even start streaming myself. You can find Total Pod Mode available on all social media platforms. We're available on Spotify, YouTube and Discord as Total Pod Mode. We're available under Twitter and TikTok at Total Pod Mode, all one word. We're also available on Reddit under r slash Total Pod Mode. And with that, thank you all for listening. Will, pleasure as always, my friend. Play us out, James. Play us out. <laughs>